We're so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, Pastor John shares a great message that we pray will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. I love this. I love this series. Now, if you're new to this series, we've been wrestling with this and we've been excited about the fact that what we do Monday through Friday does matter to God and does change the world. We're talking about how our job changes the world. Whether you are a stay-at-home parent like Victoria or you are a CEO, a plumber, a baker, a candlestick maker, all those things, you can realize that your job can change the world. And today, we're gonna look at the final aspect of that um, as we turn to Philippians chapter four. Turn with me to Philippians chapter four. We're gonna get to that in just a second, and I'll set up uh, what's going on in Philippians. Uh, Last night, I was at a restaurant with my family and some friends, um, and uh, we ordered our, our meal, and my meal came out before everybody else's, a couple minutes before everybody else's. And... On that plate were two of my favorite things, avocados and eggs. And I was not the only thing, but I love that. Just throw some bacon in there, and man, you have got a little plate of heaven, in my opinion. Hey, listen, that's me. So I get this, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I think, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start eating. So I start kind of cutting some things up, and my son, uh, on the other side of the table, looks down at me, and he says, Hey, Dad, can I have some of your avocado?" And I'm thinking, in my mind, I go through this journey, I'm thinking, you know, the right thing would be to say yes, because there are guests at the table, people uh, who aren't in my family, and that would impress them, that I would be willing to give up one of my favorite things uh, for my son. Uh, but then I quickly got over that, and, and then I thought, okay, wait a minute, you know, in the, you know, I'm his father, and in the Bible, it says that I should be good to him, that I should not, uh, you know... Uh, neglect him, of course, and, and, and I should not, you know, incite him in any way. And, and, and so maybe I should just give it to him because, uh, you know, that's what good fathers do. But then I thought, wait a minute, I just ordered him 15 wings that should be here in like 90 seconds, and he's trying to get my food. And so what happened in my mind was, heck no, I'm not giving you any of my avocados, okay? But what came out was, uh, and he goes, you know what, Dad? Never mind. Okay, so my, my, my thought is this. I am a human being, and my nature, by nature, I don't want to share. I don't want you to take things from me that I want for myself. And Robert Greene, who is a researcher, and he put, compiles all these things into his books Uh, wrote recently that there are three elements to human nature. And they come into play in the restaurant for me, and they come into play for so many things, and they come into play with what we're going to talk about today. Here they are. If you don't catch anything today, catch this. Autonomy, intelligence, and righteousness. Autonomy, intelligence, and righteousness. All of us have a sense of autonomy, and God put that in us. He actually put it in us to have the choice not to choose him. All of us have that sense. From the moment that we're born, nobody can tell me what to do, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
from the moment you were born, you had that sense of, I want to do what I want to do, and I will do it on my terms. That's autonomy. And guess what? God gave us autonomy. And what he says is, look, I'm personal and I'm persistent, but I'm never going to try to control you. I want you to choose me. I want you to use the autonomy that I've given you to believe me, to trust me, and to step into what it is that I'm inviting you into. But if you don't want to, I will be sad, but you will have your autonomy. The other thing is intelligence. We want to come up with our own ideas and our own opinions, and we want to express them, and we want to have the knowledge, and we want to be the person that knows stuff. There's something in our nature that just says, hey, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. You can't tell me what to do, and I know what I'm talking about. And there's this third part of us that wants to be at our core good. We want to be right. We want to be righteous. Even supervillains, right? They they find a way to tell themselves that what they're doing to harm other people is somehow moral at its core. That is our human nature, autonomy, intelligence, and righteousness. And here's what we see in the Gospels, and here's what we see through the New Testament, that God is inviting us to take that which he's given us and offer it back to him. To say, God, I will give you my autonomy. I will give you my intelligence. I will give you my sense of wanting to be right. I'll turn that back over to you. The Apostle Paul says that we would make ourselves a living sacrifice and that we would let him transform us from the inside out. That that sense of autonomy would say, hey, God, you, you take control of my life. You guide my life. Intelligence, God, you start to to put new ideas in my mind that are not of me, but are of you. And God, you make me right because I can't make myself right. No matter how much I try to to do good and to avoid bad, to to even think good and, and not think bad, I can't do, I need you to do this. And we turn that back over. Here's the promise that God gives us, that he will take our humanity and our human nature, he will transform it and he will make it more of an image bearer of him, and then he will shine through us on this broken planet, and we will bring a little bit more of heaven to this earth. Sign me up. Here's my avocados, right? Every day, we have to surrender to that. And that's what we're talking about in this whole series. It goes back to this. How do our callings, capacity, and cooperation love our neighbors and change the world? That's where we started with this series. Okay, how is it that I really am going to love my neighbor the most effective and the most practical way? Yes, I can go start a nonprofit. Yes, I can give to charity. Yes, I can protest injustice. Yes, I can do a lot of high-minded, high-capacity things. And that's all well and good, and some of you should do that. But all of us can go to work and do a great job and do it with a Christ-driven attitude. And that is our calling. Our calling is not our career path. It is loving God by loving our neighbor, which is more than just the person who lives next door to us. It's the people that God puts in our life, yes, even the difficult ones. And our capacity, what is it? It's our resources, it's not just money, it's our, it's our physical strength, it's our talent, 
It's our skills. It's all of those things. And you can, you can unpack all of that in, in, in the past uh, week series. But last week, we brought all this home. We said, okay, what happens when we bring our calling and our capacity together and we cooperate with each other? We give and receive from each other. We buy and sell from each other. We make and trade with each other. We lend and we tend to things together. And we do that selflessly and honestly. Oh, what happens? It starts to create a thriving community. And that's what we are called to. Today, I want to look at what all three of these things produce in people who believe and follow Jesus and what it produces in a church that is going after these very things. That is saying, you know what? God, I give you my autonomy. I give you my intelligence. I give you my sense of wanting to be right. I turn it over to you and take my capacity take my calling and take my cooperation and do what you will with it. And that's what we see in Philippians chapter four. The apostle Paul, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the scriptures, you know who the apostle Paul is. But for those of you who don't, the apostle Paul was one of the first missionaries to go beyond the Jewish Christians to what is known as the Greco-Roman world. And so he goes out and he starts these churches and he started a church in a a, a, a Greek city named Philippi. And in this city, he launches this church, and out of this, he wants to thank them. And he spends these next few verses saying, hey, I want to thank you. And this is what we get when we hear his thank you, because it brings it home to us today. How does our calling, our capacity, and our cooperation, what does it produce when we turn it over to God? Look what it says. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. So let's stop right there for a second. What is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, When nobody else stepped up to be compassionate to me and to help me out, you guys did it. Not only did you do it, but you continue to do it. And he says, I'm writing you this letter not to ask for more because you've given me more than I need. I'm writing you this to thank you for your kindness, but also to say to God, God, reward them for their compassion towards me. Look what it says. He says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Sorry, my Greek is not very good right now. They are, the, they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. What is he saying? Your compassion to me is a sweet-smelling offering to God. Write this down. When we embrace God's design for our calling, capacity, and cooperation, we become compassionate. We become compassionate. When we start to see our jobs, when we start to see the work of our hands, when we start to see what those things produce, and we start to see how that cooperation together, selflessly and honestly, what it produces in us, just like in this church, is this idea of compassion. 
Do you want my avocados? Here, take them and everything else. And that's what this church was doing. And I believe that is what our, our church is called to do. And I believe that is what our church is doing. And we see it happening in story after story. You just saw it in the three and three, where we were able to give 60 plus bags to foster children just in this last season. And 50 people from this church have signed up to help cut the grass, make meals, and all kinds of other things for foster parents, not only in this church, but in our greater community. Yeah, you could clap for that. That is compassion. That's a group of people who have said, hey, I have a calling to love my neighbor. I have capacity. I have more than just money, although I do have that too. And I have a cooperative spirit that is driven by the Holy Spirit to be compassionate to others. One way to show compassion is to give money. So I want to go ahead and acknowledge that. One way to be compassionate is to give money, but it's not the only way. It's not the only way. But we as Americans tend to go to that. Why? Because we are one of the most wealthy nations in the world. And so it's very easy for us to say, oh, you need something? Here, here's some money. You need a couple dollars? Here's a couple dollars. Or here's a couple hundred dollars. But there's more than just giving money that expresses compassion. But we cannot ignore that. It is a very instantaneous way that we can say to someone, you have a need, I have capacity, here it is, I give you this. But if we stop there, we miss a whole lot of things that God wants to do through our compassion. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. I want us to go back to the origin story of this church, Philippi. Philippi was a cosmopolitan city. It was a very big city. A lot was going on, the hustling and the bustling. A A lot of merchants were coming and going. A lot of money was being exchanged. It wouldn't be unlike New York City or Los Angeles or pick your big city in the United States. And so this church was filled with people who had capacity. What happens when these people, some of them who believe in God but don't necessarily know the good news of Jesus Christ, what happens when they start to turn over and give God the autonomy, the intelligence, and their sense of righteousness over to him, he begins to transform things. One of the first person that Paul meets when he launches the church at Philippi, and we see this right here in Acts chapter 16, is a woman named Lydia. Here's her story. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we, thought, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who gathered there. One of them was, Liddy, was Lydia of Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. So he describes this woman who is a woman who runs a very successful business, she, she's a merchant of purple cloth, which is, which, which is a cloth of wealthy people. Only wealthy people could afford these clothing. And says they, they went there, and this woman believed in God. So she, she was open to who God was, but she didn't know that God was personal. She didn't know 
that he was persisting after her through Jesus Christ. It says, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. Who opened her heart? The Lord opened her heart. Why? Because we as human beings, by nature, don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We don't want people to lecture to us. We don't want people guilting us. We don't want people threatening us. And so what does Paul do? He goes, he says, hey, looks like you guys are praying. Awesome. I want to tell you some good news. And it says that Lydia and many like her, their hearts were opened by the Lord. The Lord was conspiring with their nature through his spirit and the clarity of the gospel to woo them to himself. And it says that Lydia was open to this. But look what happened. And she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her whole household, or she and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. So much happens in that one line. She and her whole household. It's important that we understand this. A household during this time wasn't just her family. It wasn't just her spouse, her husband, and her children. It was all the people that she employed. It was the people who came in, who some of them even lived there in their household, that she gave work to. It says that not only was she a believer and follower of Jesus that became baptized, but her whole household as well. And she says this, Paul, would you stay here in our house as our guest? Look what it says. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged us until we agreed. What's going on here? So much, but write this down. One way to show compassion is to give our resources. What does Lydia do? We understand that she's a part of this church. She's a part of the launch of this church in Philippi. And eventually, she is so compassionate that she gives along with her fellow brothers and sisters there at Philippi, Paul more than he needs financially in money. But it says right here that she opened her home and she offered her resources. Brentwood Church, here's what we have to know. Because when many of us think that compassion is only giving money, we start to tell ourselves a story. Well, I really don't have a lot of money, and man, this money's going over here, and that money's going over there, and oh man, I feel like I'm, I'm swamped right now. I'm, I guess I just can't be compassionate. And then we see a story like Lydia, where Lydia says, hey, would you just stay in my home? Not unlike what we heard in Victoria's story, right? She opens up her basement. Sometimes she rents it out. Sometimes she just opens it up. And she said, I just let the Holy Spirit determine for me. But everything, she says, is spiritual. Isn't it amazing that that is 2,000 years old? That a woman in the, the city of Philippi had opened her home to the messengers of God the messengers of the gospel, and said, hey, I have a resource here, and I want to give it to you. I wonder, Brentwood Church, 
What are some things in your life besides money that you can be compassionate with? What are some things that you can say, hey, use this. You have this need. I want you to take that and see exactly what kind of impact that you will have through that kind of compassion. The other thing we see this, one way to show compassion is to give opportunities to meet needs, solve problems, and make the world better. Let's not forget that Lydia was a wealthy business owner. She was able to go a step further. And I think this is the same thing of you and me. Yes, we can give money and we can help people immediately. Yes, we can give people and help people and be compassionate with our resources. Another thing that we can do in many cases is that we can open doors for them. You see, Lydia had her whole household there to hear the good news of Jesus Christ preached. What does that mean? It means even her employees, even her servants, even the people who were coming in and out of her home who worked for her. She says, I want to give you an opportunity not to just have a job, but to know that your humanity can be transformed by God and you can be just like God and you can go solve problems, meet needs, and make the world better and change things around you. Can you imagine what would happen if that kind of spirit just awakened in this church? Well, we started to realize, wait a minute, when I vouch for somebody at a job, when I connect this person with that person, when I say, hey, you should consider my friend, or hey, I want to hire you to do this, that even those moments of exchange is being compassionate, write this down, compassion, Equals this, giving money, yes, we covered that, resources, and opportunity that we get through our calling, capacity, and cooperation. When you and I go to work Monday through Friday, we have opportunities through calling, capacity, and cooperation to be compassionate to other people. Now, I want to give you an illustration of this, and I think it's very powerful. It's the story of two sisters from right here at Brentwood Church who took the opportunities that they were given and the space in which they were given and even the resources from this church and gave compassion in a way that made a difference even today as I speak up here. Take a look at their story. A few months ago, I started a new job um, at a grocery store here in town, and I knew about two weeks before I started the job that I would be in a new position. So I started praying that God would use me um, in the people's lives that I would be interacting with. During my shift, I have a few minutes here and there where I start, where I can speak to people. And um, I have this strange reaction to the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And one time I was speaking to one of my new co-workers and I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to do something. She came from a very broken and hurt past. She was removed from her adopted family and placed back into the foster care system. She ended up aging out of the system and ended up attending a local university. 
while she was there, she was uh, dating someone who had a problem with drugs. Her partner ended up stabbing her to death in a drunken rage. Um, after she was brought back to life, she disowned people. What I didn't realize is that I was meeting her at a really, really critical time because she was expecting her first baby. I came to find out that she did not have a permanent home, that she was actually sleeping in the homes of other people. So that's when I called my sister and I told her about my new friend and that I knew that we were supposed to help her. Started by reaching out on social media um, and just kind of put it out there that I had a friend in need, these are the things we need, and one of the girls in my small group reminded me that Brentwood collected a Christmas offering last year and that part of that was going to serve our community members and she said we should apply to get some money to help our friend. So I applied for $300 and it was approved. And so we used that money to kind of fill in the gaps of what we still hadn't gotten for her. She was totally overwhelmed and thankful for what we had collected for her. Um, she just couldn't believe it. No one had ever been kind to her in her life, so she couldn't believe that strangers would, would do so much for her. When I was younger, my dad used to take me to New York City and drop me off in Harlem, and he would give me tracks, and he would tell me to hand them out to the people that I saw on the street. And I always wondered why we didn't see people come to know Jesus. The older I got, the more Jesus told me that I wasn't just supposed to give people lectures from the Bible, but I was to reflect the incredible love and grace of my Savior. I didn't give my friend lectures on how this lifestyle choice was bad and this lifestyle choice was good. All I did was show her that I loved her because Jesus loved her more than anyone in the entire world. And even though everyone in the world had rejected her, there was a God out there who loves her and desperately desires her to have success in this world and to come to know him as her personal savior. All right, can we thank those girls for telling that story? I really want to... I know many of you already connected the dots there, but it's so important that we understand it all started at a grocery store. It all started at a grocery store. Heather gets a job at a grocery store. She prays, God, would you allow me to encounter people who need you? And she encounters someone at a very, very vulnerable stage in her life. And as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, she doesn't offer her lectures she doesn't offer her sermons. What does she offer her instead? Her calling, her capacity, her cooperation, her compassion. And what happens along the way? This woman who had disowned people, who had checked out of humanity, who was barely surviving, all of a sudden starts to feel the sense of God pursuing her, that God is personal through the compassion, through the compassion of these two sisters. What a powerful demonstration. What a powerful example for you and me. You know, we live in a world full of people just like us. 
who have autonomy, intelligence, and this sense that they want to be right and that they want to be good at their core. And this woman wasn't unlike any of us. But when someone comes and says, I'm going to respect your autonomy, I'm going to respect your intelligence, I'm going to respect your sense of wanting to be right, and instead of giving you a lecture and telling you that you're wrong, I'm just going to show you the compassion that Jesus Christ has shown me. And I'm going to let the Spirit of God fill in some blanks and do what only the Spirit of God can do, and that is open the hearts of human beings. Brentwood Church, that's what it means to go to work and live out your calling. Selflessly and honestly, compassionately. You want my avocados? Take them all. And here's some more stuff too. That's what it means. And just like Heather and Hope, it's rallying other people. And in this case, our church, the Christmas offering that we took last year, that we fueled community groups with, you were a part of that cooperation and that compassion, giving that woman. And I love how this story continues to go forward, that Heather and Hope have said to this woman, you don't have a family. You are part of our family. That's powerful stuff. Resources, right? Opening up your home, opening up your arms, opening up things, besides just giving people money, saying, hey, come into my life, come into my space. And what's so incredible is Hope and Heather were there the day that that woman's child was born, 14 hours in the labor and delivery room. Why? Because she didn't have any family. She didn't have anybody there with her. And they said, we'll be there for you. You see what the Holy Spirit of God does? When we turn over our autonomy and our intelligence and our sense of wanting to be right, God transforms it and says, I'm going to do with that. I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to make it a reflection of my heart for you. And you are going to be a light of compassion in this world, the same compassion that I've given you through my one and only son, Jesus Christ. Write this down. Our calling, our capacity, and our cooperation are all ways to be compassionate and love our neighbors. You want to love your neighbor? Go to work. Do great work. And do it with a Christ-driven attitude. And see what kind of conversations. And see what kind of hospitality. And see what kind of doors get opened for you to show the love that God has shown you to other people. That is a quiet revolution. Roman Church. And I'm not saying that passing out religious literature in, in Harlem is a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But is it the most effective thing? I think the most effective thing for you and me is to get this, that a thriving community begins when we turn these things over to God and let him transform our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength as a reflection of him. So here's what I want us to do, Brentwood Church. This week, this week, I want you to just, in fact, today, this very moment, get some space with God, do business with God in this moment, and ask him this question. Ask God to show you how you can show compassion to your neighbor this week. This week. God, 
Do you have resources that you want me to offer? Do you have money that you want me to offer? Do you have opportunity that you want me to offer someone? And then when that is open to you, walk through it. Walk through that moment and just be obedient to do that. And then finally, ask yourself this question. Does my neighbor need money, resources, or opportunity? Maybe your neighbor needs all three of them. And whatever the Holy Spirit says to you, do that. Just like Victoria said in the very beginning, I pray over that space and I'm obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit asked me to do. Can you imagine what would happen if we walked into our workplaces? We said, you know what? My work matters. My work is spiritual. My work is making a difference. And it starts with me living out my calling each and every day there. Just like Lydia, just like Victoria, just like Heather did. You and I are part of that revolution. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Right now, I believe there is someone here today that is ready to do just what I described, ready to make your life an instrument of God's compassion, but you realize today that you have not taken the most important and critical step in your life, and that is to acknowledge God as the one who's given you autonomy, intelligence, and the ability to be right with him. And it doesn't come from resisting him or rebelling against him or running from him or being religious before him. It comes from you in this moment deciding to believe in and follow Jesus Christ. And you know that today is the day where it all gets clear for you. And so I wanna help you do that today. I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand boldly and say, today is the day that I need to believe in and follow Jesus. Today is the day. I'm done resisting God. And it starts with one, just right now, acknowledge God as your heavenly father, that he is personal and that he is persistent, that he's never tried to control you, but he wants you to turn your autonomy, what he has given you, back over to him and say, God, you direct my life. And today I trust you as my heavenly father. Just right now, in this moment, you speak to him. Unclench your fist, open your heart and your mind to him. Two, right now in this moment, realize that you cannot make yourself right, that you can't be good enough and smart enough, you can't get enough degrees, you can't do enough spiritual things and, and, and religious things to make yourself right, to make yourself good, that God has said, I and I alone will do that for you through my son, Jesus Christ. And right now, you just acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He is the son of the living God and that his death on a cross has paid for your sins, past, present, and future. That his resurrection from the dead is, is the acknowledgement and it is the, it is the act that says that he is God's one and only son. And it is an illustration of your life in eternity. Right now, you just say, God, thank you for Jesus and accept his forgiveness in your life right now. And then let his Holy Spirit come into you. You've heard it described more than once today. The Spirit of God in you, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, wants to come into your heart and mind and awaken things in you to give you new direction, to give you new wisdom, to give you new discernment, to give you new courage 
your life. And if that's you today, three, I want you just to boldly raise your hand right now. Just boldly raise your hand just so I can see you. If today you said, I believe in and follow Jesus Christ, just boldly raise your hand right now. All right. Let's stand right now. If today you wanted to raise your hand and you just didn't have the courage to do that or something was keeping you back from that and you still have questions, I'm going to invite you as we begin to sing in just a moment just to come down here to speak to one of our elders or one of the men and women from our care and response team. Or you can go to the back, the same thing. There's people back there who would love to answer questions for you and pray with you. But if you did decide today and we just didn't see it or, or whatever the case, I want you to just do this one step for me. I want you to text, I decided, I decided to this number on the screen, 434-485-0881. And just say, today I decided, and, and we will follow up with you with next steps. But Brentwood Church, I want us to celebrate in our middle school ministry just moments ago, Another middle school student passed from death to life and decided to believe in and follow Jesus Christ. That is powerful stuff. No words of man can do that. That is the spirit of God moving in a people. And right now, I just want to invite you, if God has been moving in your heart today and you just need to come down here for prayer, just walk out. Don't let the fear of man or anything. If you don't have anywhere to be, let this song be a proclamation for you. Our response stations are open. If you want to take communion today, if you believe and follow Jesus and you want to acknowledge what Christ has done through the bread and the wine, if you want to light a candle of intercessory prayer, if you want to write down a prayer request, I invite you to do that at our response stations. You can do that as we begin to sing. But right now, be obedient to what it is that God is saying. Let this song be an anthem. And then let's walk out of here today. And go change the world and be the compassion of God in visible form for a world that so desperately needs it. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.